0: Please be seated. It's my great joy and honor to introduce our speaker today. Um, his name is Steve English, and he and his wife Pam started the World Our Parish in 1998. Um, and they have done a lot of ministry, but specifically, the World Our Parish ministers to orphans, and so they've taken many, many orphans into their homes. Um, they treat the—he'll tell you—they call him Daddy, um, and he's given, He and Pam have given their lives to these kids that either were so abused by their parents that they could not stay in their homes. And in Guatemala, that's a whole different level than what it is in the United States. Or were so sick or so unwanted that they were going to die without this help. And so that's what they've done. They've taken these kids in and they've also started a school, and this school is incredible. Um, it's, as he'll tell you, in this little town that nobody really knows much about, but they win awards and their kids win contests, and they're kind of an exemplary school in the, in the nation of Guatemala. And um, the point of that school is not only to educate the kids, but it's to tell them how life can be different because of Christ. And so in their newsletters, he, he will share You know, that someone came to Christ that week because of what they heard in chapel or because of the witness of a teacher or something like that. And they do wonderful work. Um, Bee Creek has been supporting them since our very earliest days, and I couldn't be prouder of that. And so, Steve, we're so glad to have you here to share the word with us today. Please welcome him.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Is everybody wide awake? How many were at the auction last night? All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Tell you what, after I was uh, leaving the auction last night and saw what a positive response we had from everyone, I was reminded of a story about three little boys that were sitting around kind of having a contest about to see whose father was the richest. And so one of the little boys, his father was a doctor, and uh, he was bragging about his dad. He said, every time my dad goes in and and cuts on somebody, he walks out with $10,000 in his pocket." Another little boy, he said, well, I can beat that. My dad's a lawyer, and every time he walks into a courtroom, he walks out with $15,000 in his pocket. The third kid was a pastor's child, and he said, I can top you both. Every time my dad stands behind the pulpit and preaches it, takes four men to carry out the money. <laughs> so That's the way we kind of felt last night uh, with, with all your, your generosity and, um, and uh, sharing. Uh, not only your generosity, there's, some, there's a lot of people that gave a lot of their time uh, to help help make that fundraiser a, a possibility, and I just want to say thank you from Lacinda, from Guatemala, from all of our kids, from Pam, and we love you guys. We know you all love us, and you are definitely making a huge difference in the lives of a whole lot of people. Um, Lori, we're sharing that we have 160 kids in the home, and. Uh, In the school, every single day we share the love of Jesus with those kids. We do it in chapel. We do it in our classrooms through our Christian curriculum. Uh, We start off every day talking about just the very basics of Christianity on a child's level. But those children will take that message home to their to their families. We have several many non Christian families that go to our school. Kids that go to our school and they take that message back. We have children uh, who have led their own grandparents to the Lord because of what they've heard about Jesus at Losinda. We've met, uh, we have kids coming into our school that had never owned, had a Christian Bible in their home. And we had family members coming and asking us for Bibles. And so, you know, it's those, these gifts that you all send and the donations that, that you take up for us. It's really transforming lives. And I just want to thank you all so much for, for the good stuff that, that, that you're doing. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about our Christian responsibility and who we are in Christ. And I'm going to ask you this morning, before you leave these doors, to make a decision to do more. And I'm not saying do more as in giving. I'm saying doing more in all of your Christian life. I'm going to ask you to not just be a Christian, but to be even more. To be what God has called you to be. This morning I'm going to ask you to take on that responsibility that God has put onto each of our shoulders as individual Christians to go and share his love and light to a hurting world. And I want to look this morning at, uh, at, the, uh, at Moses. We're all familiar with Moses. And we want to encounter him in front of the burning bush. There's about eight sermons just in that one episode of, of Moses being in front of the burning bush. I'm not going to preach all eight sermons to you. You know, y'all are kind of in a bad situation. The first service, there was a time limit. Y'all don't have a time limit, and I don't get to preach in English that often, and I've already practiced the sermon once this morning, so I could could go all day long. Anyway, I I want to look at Moses, and when we find him there in front of the burning bush, and I want to look at some things that are happening in the life of Moses, because I believe that what moses is encountering at this time each and every one of us ought to encounter in our lives also john wesley the father of methodism in 1741 preached at oxford and he preached a sermon which for many 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 years was was published in our book the methodist book of discipline so all all pastors and lay people were were supposed to read the sermon because it's really important and vital for who we are as a church and the sermon was entitled The almost Christian. And the sermon that John Wesley preached and was published in our book of Discipline talked about the necessity of we Christians to be exactly what we're called to be. Not just to be almost Christians, not to have the Christian lingo and even some Christian actions, but commit ourselves completely to the calling that God has for us. Now, if you think about an almost Christian, almost Christians have all the right phrases. They all know all the right things to say. When somebody's sick and comes, oh, my mother's sick, what do we say? I'll pray for you. When uh, we sit down to eat a meal, when we, get the, when we get our plate of food right before us, what's the first thing we do? We bow our heads and we, we, we pray the prayer. Sunday morning, what, do, what does the almost Christian do every single Sunday morning? They get up, they come to church, and they go home, they eat a meal. What do almost Christians do? Uh, maybe the first thing when they get up in the morning or the first thing uh, right before they go to bed. And they read a little. Do you all do the upper room here? That's real big in the Methodist churches. Read a little passage from the upper. Almost Christians do all the right things. Give all the right appearances. But never make that commitment to wholly give themselves to Christ. Our kids at Laszenda in our orphanage are really, really good about being almost Christians. We have a little boy. Had a little boy. He's no longer with us. He's an adult now and has moved away. His name's Sammy, and he knew all the right things to say. He came up to me one day, and he was just determined that he wanted a wee. I'm not even really sure what a Wii. It's one of those. It's a game, isn't it? That you like a video game or something. Uh, a, do you, how many of y'all have Wees in your home? I don't know. Anyway, he had figured out and, and and came to present to me the plan, Daddy. I need a Wii. And I need you to give me, he had the price, $121. Is that how much a wee cost? I don't know either. But he, for some reason, $121. I don't know how he didn't ask me in Guatemala and Quetzales. He asked me in dollars. I need $121 to buy this wee. And so I said, Sammy down, and I said, you know, Sammy, a lot of people uh sacrifice a lot in order to make donations just so that we can have food on the table and to pay for your education and, and god's really blessed us with a lot of stuff but we need to be really careful about the things that we ask so i kind of am talking to him about that about our responsibility of, of being receivers and to use it so he said okay daddy he had a little tear going out his well and i said I want you to go back to your room and i want you to sit down and lay in your bed and i want you to pray about this a little bit well he came back just a short time later and he said daddy I've been praying about what you said and i feel like the lord is calling me to the ministry I said, he's calling you. He said, that's wonderful because that's, you know, that's the whole reason we exist. Listen, we, we exist not just to take care of orphans but to, to raise up Christian leaders. So I'm getting kind of excited. And he said, yeah, Daddy, God's called me to go into the ministry, and I, and I think he wants me to start preparing uh, for seminary. Well, I mean, you can imagine a pastor missionary heart hearing here in one of their little orphan kids in, in Guatemala coming to you. I mean, now I'm crying. And, and he goes on and said, now, Daddy... I believe that I need to start preparing for seminary little by little. And I said, well, what, what do you need to prepare? He said, you know, I think I need to start saving up a little for my education to be able to do that. Maybe you can help me with some seed money. I said, well, how much do you need? He said, $121. <laughs> Boy, we know how to be almost Christians, don't we? We know how to say the right things to kind of get. Well, that's the way Moses, we find him. We find him in the desert. We find him tending sheep. We find him before a burning bush. And God is going to call him to be more than he ever thought he could be. He's going to challenge him. God is going to tell him he's going to be something. In fact, he's not going to call him to be more than he can be. God is going to ask Moses to do something that Moses is absolutely unable to do. God is going to ask each and every one of us at some time in our lives to do things that we absolutely are unable to do and do you know why God does that God does that so that his power comes to us and it's not we who receive the glory but all credit goes to God God calls us to be available to do his work and he gives us the power to do it this morning I want to present to you three things that you are as believers of Jesus Christ Every single one of you who are sitting here this morning who have the blood of Jesus in your, on your hearts, that have cleansed you from sin, are called to be three things. You're called to be chosen. You are a chosen people. You're called to be liberated. Liberated from those things that keep you, that dr- keep you away from a, a relationship with the Most Holy God. And you're called to be witnesses. I want to look at, first of all, about what it means for us to be Chosen. Moses, as he's standing before that bush that is burning but never burns up, is going to realize for the first time in his life that he is a chosen person. Now think about Moses for just a second. From the very moment that Moses was born, when he gasped his first breath out of coming out of the womb, he was supposed to have that moment died. His life was planned planned for him by Pharaoh. His life was to come out of the womb and be thrown into the Nile and drowned. Moses should not have even been alive. His fate was chosen for him before he was even born by a Pharaoh who wanted him dead. But God saved his life. The children that grow up in our home in Lucinda, their lives from the moment they were born have been planned for them. The children in my home have been born to be prostitutes. They've been born to be uh, drug dealers. They've been born to to, to be abused to the point of death. This is the plan that the world has for every child that's in my orphanage. But we believe that God has a different plan for them because we believe that they too have been chosen. Each and every one of you as well have been chosen by God for a very specific purpose in order order to usher his kingdom into this world. The question is, do you realize that you're chosen? Do you realize what it means to be chosen? Before we can even begin to understand what God's choosing us means for us, we have uh, one very important thing that we have to do. What happened to Moses when he was standing before the burning bush and, and, and God started to talk to him? What did God say? Take off your sandals. Why? Because you're about to, you're standing on holy ground. If we're a chosen people, we have to be liberated. And in order for us to be liberated, we have to enter in to God's holiness. And God is calling each and every one of us, even with our sin, to enter into his holiness. Now God understands that there is nothing that we can do to make us holy, but He has made a plan for us, created a plan for us to be holy, and that holiness that we attain is designed by us entering into His presence, just like Moses when he stepped onto that holy ground and had to remove his sandals. What is it that we need to? Re- what is it that you need to remove from your life in order to enter into Jesus' holiness? Is there sin? Are there responsibilities in your life that maybe you shouldn't have that keep you from doing the things that God has called you to do? What things do we have in our life that that we need to be liberated from in order for us to complete the calling that we have in Jesus Christ to be His chosen people? From what do we need to be liberated from? Moses needed to liberate uh, the the Israelites from, from the Egyptians, from the Pharaoh, who had them enslaved. But all of us, even today, are enslaved to something. And that to which we are enslaved keeps us from realizing the calling that we have as Christians to complete his work. To allow God to empower us to change a broken and hurting world. Does anyone here this morning doubt that we are in a broken world? Is there anybody seated here this morning that has any question of uh, whether or not this world needs a Savior? We just hear it in the news. Turn on your news. We we see about what's happening in in Boston. We look at the the statistics of the world. 40,000 children die of malnutrition and starvation every day. And the world doesn't need a Savior? Two-thirds of the world... Have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. One third of the world have never seen a missionary. Never read a Bible. Never even heard the the word. the, the, The name of Jesus. Is there any question. That we have a responsibility to fulfill. But before we can fulfill that obligation. We too have to realize that we are chosen. We have to realize that we have to be liberated from all things. Moses Had to sacrifice everything. Moses had to give away everything. Lead a new life. Look what God called Moses to do. Remember, Moses had to leave Egypt because the Pharaoh wanted him dead. And God wanted him to go back to Egypt. To the very place from which he had escaped to save his life. Then, God wanted Moses to stand before the Pharaoh, the very man who was wanting him dead. And why did he want him to do it? To lead a people out of captivity, but a people who despised Moses. Did you realize the Israelites didn't even really like Moses? Here was a guy who grew up, he didn't even have to live a slave. He didn't have to even live, uh, uh, he didn't have to live in poverty life. He got to grow up in the in the royal household. And now he's being called to, to, to rescue these people out? Yep, it's about the sum of it. God said, I want you to obey me. I want you to obey me. I want you to follow me. And I will empower you. And in fact, that's exactly what God did. So Moses realized, well, I guess I am chosen for this great task. And he had to be liberated of the things that that, that kept him from, from believing in God and trusting him, trusting in that calling that he had on his life. And for what purpose? So that he could be that third thing that we're called to be as Christians. So that he could be a witness. Each and every one of us have been called to be Christ's witnesses on this earth. Now I talked about some pretty heavy statistics, right? Children dying, bombs going off. People not knowing Jesus. God put in motion a plan for the world to be saved. God has a plan. And his plan A, his plan A was to send Jesus to this world and for those of us that are here this morning to receive his son into our heart so that we can go out and be his witnesses. We're God's plan A. We hear about all the horrible things coming happening in the world and what is the solution? You are the solution. Because you're called to not be an almost Christian, you're called to be a dedicated, committed Christian. What if plan A doesn't work out? What's God's plan B? There ain't no plan B. We're it. God has put all of his eggs in one basket, as you say. He's trusting in us to make that commitment, to understand that we are a chosen people. He's calling us to be liberated from from sin or whatever keeps us from knowing, uh, from from following God. And he calls us to be his witnesses. How many of you all bought stuff last night at at the auction? Anybody go home with any goodies? A lot of goodies? Yeah, were your husbands and, and uh, happy about that? Yeah, anybody get in trouble for what they bought? Nobody. Good, good. Okay, think about think about think about the auction last night. Those of you who took something home, that donation you made to to the Lucinda is going to touch a child's life. That $100 check or $150 check or $200 check, whatever it is, that donation is going to make an eternal difference in the life of a child in Guatemala. But let me ask you something. How much did those donations hurt? Are any of you all going to miss a meal? Because of the donations you're sending to West Texas? For those Walmart cards, because of that, because of you all making a donation, is anybody going to have to turn off their cell phone service for a month because you sent that donation to to West Texas? The uh, what's the ministry that helps the uh, the people in the crisis community? <coughs> Helping Hands, a lot of you give to that. Wonderful. Have any of you all given so much to that that? Now you're not going to be able to afford to take the vacation you want to take this week, or you're going to have to turn off the cable. Okay, think about that for just a second. Those donations are making an eternal difference in the lives of people, but it's really not required any sacrifice on our part. So if the little donations that we make make, us, make an eternal difference, and it's not even a true sacrifice, imagine, imagine if we sacrifice all of who we are for the cause of Christ. Imagine that. A $50 Walmart card is going to make the difference in a family in West Texas and maybe whether their kids have clothes or not to go to school the next day. Imagine if you don't give $50 but you give your entire life to the cause of Christ. Imagine what the world would be like if we stopped being almost Christians and we become God's chosen people who are liberated from the things of this world and we become His witnesses. The whole world was transformed by just a few people. Imagine if all of us were those committed Christians. You know, when all the rest of the, when all the world was laughing at a crazy man building a boat in the middle of dry land, God saved the world through that man, Noah. When all the rest of the people saw a shepherd boy, God saw a man who would become the king of Israel. And to this day, we're still living in the positive consequences of that. When everyone else saw an innocent baby being born in a manger, God had become man and laid in that manger for the salvation of the world. When everyone else saw a man who was angry, angry, Cruel, killing Christians. God raised up an apostle, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. We are his witnesses, but we have to abandon all for the cause of Christ. We're his plan A. This morning, I'm going to leave you with the words of Jesus. And I want you to think about these words. And apply them to your life and ask yourself, is this who I am? Acts 1.8, five words, Jesus talking. You will be my witnesses. That's it. That's who you are as his chosen, liberated people. You're his witnesses. Make a commitment this morning to no longer be an almost Christian, but a completely, 100% dedicated, chosen, liberated witness of Jesus Christ. Will you let me pray for you? Father God, I thank you so much for this church and the love that they have for Pam and, and me and all the kids of Lucinda. They have truly, truly, truly become like family to us, Father, and I thank you for that. But more than anything, Lord, I thank you that these are a people who love you. And these are a people who want to participate in your good work all over the world. I pray, Jesus, that you would empower us, just as you did Moses. Just as you did Moses. That you can use us to change people's lives for all eternity. And I thank you for doing that work. We're believing you're going to do it, and I thank you for doing it. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Steve. We're glad to have you. Thank you. As our response today, I would like you to stand up. We're going to sing our closing song together. And if there are any of you who want to take a step of faith today and join this church, become part of this family, a group of people who believe and actually are changing the world, you know that we would love to have you. I'm on the front row here if that's your desire.
1: Amazing grace, how sweet
0: the sound that saved a wretch like me
1: i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see the lord has promised good
0: this benediction. Um, If you're going to stay for pizza with, it's not pizza, it's lunch with Laura now, Um, then go ahead and stay. Um, We can't wait to tell you more about this church. If you're going out, remember that as you go out into this world, you really are God's plan A, and there isn't a plan B. And that can be kind of terrifying, but as I look at your faces, I know God knows what He's doing. You're good because you have the power of Christ within you, because you're liberated, So go forth and be witnesses to the love of God in this world that needs him so desperately. Amen.